0: Thanks so much for joining us for our first episode of Opportunity Thrives. We are delighted that you're going to embark on this journey with us as we navigate how to better support today's students in secondary education. Through interviews with students and teachers and administrators, technologists, experts, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today from leading ed changes to proven best practices. We also want to lo- look at what's not working so that we can collaboratively come up with innovative solutions. Ultimately, as educators, we want to figure out how we can impact positive and lasting change for the students that we serve. So we look forward to taking this journey with you, and we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions. So today is our first episode, and we couldn't be more excited to introduce our guest, Kim Loomis. Kim is the former director of digital learning at Nevada's Clark County School District, the fifth largest school district in the nation. Today, Kim is the CEO of i3 Digital PD, and she's helping others across the nation grow high quality digital learning programs. Kim, tell us about your journey through education. What brought you to where you are today?
1: Thanks for uh, having me here, Jason. I greatly appreciate it. You know, I always knew that I wanted to be an educator to help others see their potential and reach higher than they ever thought possible. I'm sure this comes from my childhood days when my family was on social services and I was being raised by a single parent. I always knew that education was the way up and out. There was this time when I was in second grade when I got in trouble at school for sassing, And my mother was so mad, she had a friend actually, you know, talk to me about my behavior. The three of us sat at our small kitchen table and this friend asked very nicely, Hey, Kim, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I replied, a teacher. My mother was so mad, she stood up, slammed her hand on the table and loudly said, Teachers don't act this way! Well, apparently, I cleaned up my act, as you can tell here, but I never wavered from that desire to be an educator, to help others, you know, improve their lives. You know, it was this this desire when elementary, I always wanted to be an elementary teacher in middle school. I decided I wanted to be a middle school teacher. When I got to high school, I thought, well, okay, if I want to be a high school teacher, I got to pick a subject. So I, you know, I was sitting in my calculus class and I said, oh, this seems pretty easy. So I ended up being a high school math teacher. So after college, I taught about 10 years where I I just continued to foster this growth mindset that I was always looking to expand my learning and expand the educational field with new technology and tools. My career path has been adventure in both helping, you know, others succeed, students and adults alike. After leaving the classroom, I became a teacher trainer, a school administrator, a curriculum coordinator, high school reform admin, and a director for the online and blended learning. Recently, I retired, and so I get to share that love with everybody else. But school transformation is my passion. And again, I, I love sharing it with others. And so like you had mentioned, I do have my consulting company, i3digitalpd.com, that you can check me out on.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, I think what's most amazing is that you sat in calculus class and said that it was easy. So you're already off to an impressive start, even at that early age. <laughs> Um, Something that I thought was really interesting is looking at your career track. Um, You're an early adopter of technology in the classroom. So what drove you in that direction?
1: You know, it goes back to that growth mindset, right? I was always that teacher who was looking to push the envelope. I remember my first assignment here in Clark County, Nevada, Las Vegas, and they had these calculators sitting in this... in in the storage and nobody else was using them. We had a department of like five math teachers and I was the first to pull out those calculators in my math class. I ended up finding a laser disc player that wasn't being used and pulled that one out too. And then, you know, as my career moved and video became more, you know, relevant, I started using it. I was really an avid teacher. At one point in time in my career, I was teaching math at a career technical academy, and I would bring in math videos that would help students understand how math was being used in those career tracks, because I wanted to show its value. My goal was to make sure that students understood that education was more than just classroom. It was a way up and out like it had been for me. And when you, they take ownership of their own learning, then they too can create this path of success. Later, as a teacher and administrator at the virtual high school here in Clark, we ha- I was able to open up more doors for students. I was always looking for opportunities to expand and enhance those learning experiences, pushing kids to engage and take ownership. As new technology came on board, more opportunities arose for students to take, you know, deeper levels of understanding. I'll give you an example. When teachers partner with digital content, they can weave the learning between engagement with the digital content and the teacher's heart, right? That environment is right to have students take ownership and allow engagement. By having the digital content carry some of the burden, like the low-level instruction, the skills, the practice, then the teacher can push the students to these higher depths of knowledge, to application, synthesis, analysis, which will then open up really good opportunity, you know, for that authentic learning experience for students pulling in some peer collaboration and some communication or what we like to call the four Cs. I like to call this model the CIA of blended. You know, curriculum, instruction, assessment. Not the not guys in the black suits and the dark glasses, but the regular CIA. that It's the foundation of every classroom. But in the blended classroom, there are some qualifiers. I like to have, you think of a, like a, a triple Venn diagram. There you go. There's some math for you. Imagine three circles overlaying each other. Curriculum, instruction, and assessment. And the curriculum, really, we want to start looking at that partnership with digital curriculum. Right. Allowing it to carry some of that low level skills and practice. Then that changes the way our instruction is going to be. It's going to be more of a guided instruction. Sometimes whole group, sometimes small group, sometimes one on one intervention. And when we do that, it really frees us up with a little bit of time to do some authentic assessment, not that traditional assessment, that stuff that can be done in the computer or can be done with the teacher. But now we have time and tools to create some really fun authentic assessment projects like blogs and videos and all kinds of infographics just using the technology to do some true authentic assessment, bringing in some of those four C's, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. This was the framework that moved over 100,000 students in Nevada's Clark County into blended learning environments by partnering with digital tools and content.
0: Wow, what a story. Uh, I, it was interesting. You and I have worked together for years and years. And and I, I had the privilege of watching the way that you rolled out these changes across Clark County. And you had a very deliberate, thoughtful and strategic deployment of the tools that you used. Um, tell us about your approach. Why did you start where you start? And why did you roll it out the way that you did?
1: So I have been doing a stent for, you know I you mentioned that I was a teacher and an administrator at the virtual high school. After that I moved into the high school reform. and I was doing the stent in high school reform. We got a new superintendent in Clark County, and this was about 2011, and that superintendent happened to be the board of INACL, the International um, Association for Online and Blended Learning. And as a board member, he realized the value and the importance of using technology in the classroom. And so he made this cry. And the cry was to get 100,000 students in an online or blended learning environment in the next five years. Now imagine, again, this is 2011. I was the high school reform coordinator at the time. And the chief technology officer and I had worked together previously. And she said, I've got the person for this job. And so that became my job description as the newly appointed director for online and blended learning. Get 100,000 students online or in a blended environment in the next five years. So I did the math, right? So let's think about this. Clark County is a huge district. Don't get me wrong. We're the fifth largest district in the nation. We have over 300,000 students. So doing the math, right? 100,000 students, which was the cry, was a third of the enrollment that we had here in Clark. And so I started thinking about this. And I'm like, A third of the enrollment means that a third of the teachers needed to change their pedagogy. They needed to partner with digital content, right? So I figured, okay, if this is our goal, I got to set up some strategic plan on what this is going to look like. So the first thing I said is, look, we got to start with the teacher. The classroom has to change, right? So helping our our district understand what is blended. We have a a definition that everybody can understand and grab onto, how to partner with digital content and tools, how to lesson plan with it to create this balanced approach with CIA or, you know, one third, one third, one third approach with digital curriculum, guided instruction and authentic assessment. The other one was making sure that they had high-quality digital content. You know, as my experience as a former teacher from an online school, as well as an administrator at that school, I knew that creating your own digital content takes a whole different mindset. And it's very, very time-consuming. So as the director, my goal was to create online content at the district level that was of high quality, aligned to our benchmarks and to the state standards, this was going to take time, so we also looked, you know, for vendor partners that we can help to get us up and rolling and get us rolling quickly. And the third thing was making sure that we had the digital tools, right? So that they, you know, teachers had a learning management system and a suite of tools for creating this online learning environment for their students. Now, when you look at those three pillars, which I'd like to call the one that was the easiest to start, you know, curriculum's going to take a while contracts are going to take a while. Even setting up a learning management system is going to take a while. Even though we already had one in our virtual school, our goal was to roll that one out to the entire district. But professional development is something we can start with today. And changing a teacher's mindset doesn't happen overnight. So we needed to start as soon as possible. We needed to have a, you know, definition of what is online and blended learning, what kind of models we can use, what it can look like in the classroom, how to embrace the CIA of blended learning. And, you know, I got to tell you, I'm really, really glad to say that we met our goal, right? I had a five-year goal to get 100,000 students in an online blended learning environment. Well, we did it in only four and a half years. It was December 2015, and we hit that goal. Hey, six months early.
0: Wow, that's extraordinary. I, that reminds me of the quote that says, fortune favors the bold. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure when the uh, when the superintendent made that cry of 100,000 students in in five years, you probably took a deep breath and Stealed your resolve a little bit. So, well, congratulations on meeting the goal. That's extraordinary. Uh, I would imagine that in that time of rolling out such a, a significant change across such a large system that you probably learned a lot along the way. What did you learn?
1: Well, that we did, right? Good and bad. You know, after my stint with the high school reform administrator, I realized that you can't just throw money and stuff at a situation. We threw lots of money, and I'm not just saying in Clark, but across the nation. There was tons of grants. And I mean, I had millions of dollars working with these schools in Clark, and we took a huge amount of time and effort to embrace small communities, you know, schools within schools, student advisories, brought in new curriculums, but guess what? We saw no improvement. I had to really reflect, right? Your growth mindset says, fail forward, reflect, and see what you can gain from that. So I'm like, I just really felt like we failed. We didn't get any improvements or gains in our high school reform after millions of dollars. I said, you know what we didn't do is we didn't change the classroom pedagogy. And that's what drives me now to share my passion for blended learning and the use of technology in the classroom with others. During the years of seeking those 100,000 students in an online or blended environment, there were good and bad rollouts. Don't get me wrong. Again, go back to the growth mindset, fail forward, right? There were some who thought that it was going to be easy to just throw a bunch of students online, buy a bunch of Chromebooks, you know, with little and no support for the teacher or the student. And to craft a well-designed learning environment, there needs to be support systems for teachers and students to be successful. Over the years, we many times over, I heard that technology was going to replace the teacher. I'm sure you've heard that as well. But believe me, no technology can replace the caring heart and the relationships that teachers bring to the classroom. And that's why that one-third, one-third, one-third balance of digital curriculum, guided instruction, an authentic assessment. I like to use little icons that really helps you know, people to understand digital curriculum. Think of the computer one-third of the time. Guided instruction, having the teacher lead one-third of the time. And using a student for authentic assessment where they're leading their own learning with their peers or possibly individually one-third of the time. I will tell you, a lot of people threw a lot of just technology and just digital content and said, go and have at it and hope that you guys would be successful. But those who took the time who really took strategic planning, and they looked at the the labors that it took to get the good results, they got them. They did the orientations with their teachers. They did the professional development for pedagogy. They helped students with orientation. They helped their parents understand these new learning styles. And again, it just goes back to this mindset for thinking outside the box, right? it's not a textbook. It's, it's much more than that. Administrators and teachers both need to really think about this because poor planning will equal poor results. So you have to think through what does that strategic planning look like? It's going to take longer. Yes. Don't get me wrong. It took us five years to get to hundred thousand students online. And we did a lot of failing forward and reiterating and just changing our ways. But I'll tell you what, those who took that time and labored through them, they got better results.
0: I think of uh, a term that I hear often that that says, go slow to go fast. And it looks like that's precisely what you did with the upfront strategic planning. So well done on that. And <laughs> well done for moving the needle for 100,000 kids. Um, I, I know that you recently authored a book, Think Outside the Box. And uh, uh, when I read it, it seemed like it, it was a compendium of the things that, that you learned um, in your interactions with hundreds of different schools and and teachers and classrooms uh, uh, across the, the school district. Um, tell us a little bit about the book and um, how how people can use it as a tool to help them.
1: Yeah, I did. It's funny that you say that because, you know, we... We had good and bad experiences and I was able to compile a lot of those learnings with Clark in a book that I um, titled Think Outside the Box, The CIA of Blended, and 10 Plus Models for Secondary Schools. It's designed to help others to think through what they want to achieve when they partner with digital content. You know, Oftentimes, you know, we see administrators or school districts buy technology, be it software, be it hardware, and throw it at their teachers and say, go and have at it. I like to call it, like you said, go slow to go fast. Another one that I like to use is the trust-mistrust relationship. You know, administrators trust that if I give you the tools, the hardware, and I give you the software, that teachers are going to be able to do great things with it, because they're good. They know how to craft these things. Well, I will tell you, that's a, a trust that they're giving to teachers. Well, teachers trust that administrators and districts are going to lead the way. They're going to cast a vision, and they're going to give them the supports and the needs of the professional development to move along. Well, what happens in this case, oftentimes, there is no professional development. There is no, how do we change the pedagogy? How do I balance you know digital content with what I'm currently doing? Because it is a mind shift. And that mind shift is going to take not just change, but it's going to take coaching and guiding and, and, and leading the way with a vision like CIA. And so helping them, you know, in this book is designed not only on what does it look like to lesson plan, how does it look to balance the thirds, but it also has 10 programs of, of I've seen across the district. And, you know, if you're thinking about creating maybe, you know, a blended learning environment, what could it look like? And I'll tell you in the book, you get to hear some of the good and bad stories of what I've seen at over hundreds of thousands of schools and students here in Clark County. Remember, we are the fifth largest district in the nation. We had over 40 high schools, over 60 middle schools, and hundreds of elementaries. And we had blended in about a third of them. So you get to hear some really cool stories. You know, and I continue to grow on these ideas with my blog that I carry on my um. On my consulting site, i3digitalpd.com. Matter of fact, there's a great new blog up there about evaluating. Even if you have a program currently in place, how are you evaluating it? And so my recent blog was the four Ps. If you you got a program in place or if you're thinking of putting a program, definitely check out that blog. Again, it's on i3digitalpd.com.
0: Excellent. Well, I I think what's interesting about Clark County is is it's almost – Uh, a laboratory and you have so many different possibilities to experiment with. And I saw that over and over. Um, Really, really neat stuff. Um, I I think one of the most vexing challenges that I see for districts is that they're working with students that don't always fare well in a typical classroom environment. And it's interesting. I, I hear districts label them different thing. Like, oh, these are our at promise students, which I actually really like. Cause that to me, that's as a mindset of, of, of growth. Um, I hear this student population that struggles, um, sometimes they're designated as at risk or struggling student population and thinking about Clark County in particular, it's a large district. It's an urban district. It has many of the challenges that are prevalent in urban impoverished environments. Um, You know, you have transient students, you've got a lot of English language learners, you have students who come to you with a myriad of gaps in their foundational learning. Um, When you ran the, the blended and online programs in Clark County, and when you consult with districts, how do you guide them to navigate these challenges?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. <clears throat> like the title of the book, I always try to help my administrators think outside the box, right? To look beyond the student information system, beyond the bell schedule, beyond what we already know and do, right? Today's world has changed, yet many of our classrooms are still stuck in this old pedagogy. And I used to say in high school reform, students are voting with their feet. They were just walking. They were dropping out of schools because they were bored, right? And it's, it's, In today's day and age, I mean, they're consuming digital stuff every day from on their phones, on their laptops. And we have to really think about how to change our classrooms to match the environment that looks actually like what they're going to go into. We need to embrace these new technologies and, and establish new learning environments that require students to engage and take ownership of their learning. And transforming schools, you know, given the right framework, like the three pillars, the, the professional development, the digital content, and the tools, we can change and create new personalized learning environments that focus on a student-centered learning. Because the key here is that student, that individual student. In large classrooms, like we had here in Clark, from anywhere from 35 to 40 students in a classroom, you are just you know, spraying and praying most of the time, right? You didn't get an opportunity to do, you know, differentiation. But when you partner with a digital content, you can create this learning space for individual students. You can differentiate the needs. Some schools understand, you know, that need for strategic planning, but others didn't. So like I always say, fail forward, get back up, reflect, and try again. And in the book, there are 10 designs because, you know, their schools had different needs. You know, they might've wanted a, you know, something that was that is different than the school down the line. I will tell you every high school, every middle school has a credit recovery program in Clark, but there was other things going on as well. You know, just looking for what's the needs in my building. And that's how those 10 designs came about because it was like over the years, we saw some really good programs come about how to use AP content, how to use summer programs, how to use intervention. It was just a really, really good. And, you know, not giving them a script, but giving them a vision, giving them a strategy with CIA, giving them the professional development and having that available for teachers and admin alike to cast those visions.
0: Excellent. So when you think about um, consulting with a a district about affecting these changes, where do you start?
1: Well, you always need to start with a kid in mind, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about when that kid enters your door and what, you know, you really want to start looking at how can I affect this one kid, this one student's needs, right? And when we, when we talk about students that are at risk or at promise, we want to start with catching them early, right? I, I, I like to think about, you know, that before even school starts in like a summer bridge program that's engaging and entertaining yes have lots of fun and is designed to tackle students deficits you know looking at that data of the students that are coming in possibly incoming fifth graders you know moving to sixth or you know your middle school that's what's our transition here in clark or maybe those incoming ninth graders you know you have the data you already know who has these deficits. And you already know that they need early interventions in these safe, low-risk environments, right? Because classrooms are high-risk. We really need to take that down. We need to make learning fun again. We need to help them with, you know, knowing that they own their learning. It's not a, you know, a poor and stir. It's really them taking that, you know, (laughs) environment. So if you can make them feel special, make them feel, you know, with a personalized invitation to a success, a summer success program, you know, and even name it something cool, like summer success, don't call it, you know, intervention program, really name it something fun, you know, jazz it up with some cool colors, you know, and if you got the time and the money, throw in a couple t-shirts, you know, you help these students drive to what they want to be part of this program. And it uses technology and a caring teacher in a new blended way. Right? Success programs should not be just there to help fill the gaps via technology with low skills and practice, you know, instruction on a computer, but it should really help students with skills that will benefit them to be successful in your school. Have you know a campus orientation, do walks, have highly interactive, engaging peer collaboration activities, do some hands-on deeper thinking skills with your teachers, really get the students engaged in learning. And yes. Try to fill the gaps with some you know, skill and practice with the technology. Again, that balance. This is an opportunity to set those students on a path to success before the school year starts. In a new school, as well as building those foundational skills that they can carry into their classrooms, all of their classrooms, and succeed and be achieved.
0: I just, I, I, I love it. You can hear the enthusiasm coming through in, in your voice in this. So you're, you're clearly in the right role. <laughs> um, so once, you sort of, once you've started there, um, where do you go? What's your next step after you um, sort of catch them early?
1: Well, ideally, you know, you want to catch them early and, and you invite them to this fun and engaging program, but <laughs> they're not all going to show up, right? So you still have these students with needs. So I'm a big fan, but look, hey, you know, again, I'm coming back from my high school reform days. Let's set up some type of advisor or explorer program for every student, right? For every student that helps them learn how to take ownership in their learning. And you can do it in those early grades right? Or you can do it throughout your school. It's really up to you how you want to do it. But ideally, what you want to do is create this learning space that is building the techniques and the skills that will help students become successful in all their academic classes, such as note taking, time management, test prep, you know, all those cool advisory type things. Hey, but Let me tell you what, don't just teach them how to take notes, how to manage time, and prepare for tests. Use that advisory or exploratory period as an opportunity to engage students in an online elective course, right? There's some really fun, highly engaging elective courses out there that you can use, right? High interest online course that can be bedded in a typical advisory and blend with the learning. Again, going back to that one third digital content, one third guided instruction, and one third authentic assessment tech leads, teacher leads, student leads, one third, one third, one third, the CIA of blended, right? Using this online course as a tool to teach students successful life skills, like, when is it important to note something down? How do I calendar my time? What's the appropriate way to collaborate with my peers? Or maybe how do I prepare for high stake events? In this case, you know, exams or quizzes. This is a great opportunity as well to bring in the four C's, communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking. You know, having a fun time with the course in the online and blended environment. Now, I got to tell you, this is also a time for teachers, right? Because the advisory is a program that is not geared towards a title of the course. It shouldn't be called, oh, career planning or whatever. It's really an opportunity to prepare students for success in all courses in life beyond.
0: So it seems like you're really, you're going for something bigger, something beyond just a a career planning. You're attacking the mindset of the student. Is it, is, am I right on that?
1: Yeah, actually I'm attacking the mindset both of the student and the teacher because really this is a good testing ground for the for the teacher as well to blend without having to use their core material. Students need to learn how to take ownership of their learning, which includes monitoring their own data. And an online course is a great place to start with that process because usually you have, you know, data dashboards and gradebooks. And also the teacher to learn how to partner with digital content and use these non-core cores outside of their expertise, where the focus is on success skills not content. It's about interactive collaboration. Again, not so much about math, English, social studies, and science, but activities that you can coach students through and help change their mind shift as well as yours to realize that digital can be a partner in the classroom.
0: So when you, when you address the mind shift or or the mindset of both the teachers and the students, um, then you you look towards the the system. And how do you organize and optimize the resources in your system? And how do you do that in a way that supports students?
1: So ideally, what you really want to do is you want to create a personalized learning space in a blended classroom across your district, right? So such that students have this, this personal digital learning space. And where the teacher partners with this digital content. And each student is provided an individualized learning space that they can come back to. As I'd like to say, there are really no absences in the digital learning environment, right? Students can pick up where they left off. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was consulting in Alaska, it was interesting. I remember I I had this, this thought because they were always talking about students who leave to go harvest, you know, the fish in the ocean or go harvest, you know, um needs in the classroom or excuse me, needs at home like taking care of an elderly parent or maybe a younger sibling. And and our and, and you got to understand the family comes first, right? And so there are going to be times when these students are gone. But what what the, the 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 native alaskans think is look, the old teachers were the wise men in the village. And when the whole village went out and harvested something, That wise man just picked up where they left off. So the educational experience picked up where they left off. And in today's world, when we have one track, there is no ability to pick up where you left off. If you missed a week of work, you missed a week of work. And now we've got these gaps. But if you have digital content, they can pick up exactly where they left off. And that's the key, why it's so important to, to think about using the digital content. It goes for students that, you know, they, they can slow down videos or they can speed them up, they can rewind them, and they can even move ahead if need be. We don't have to worry about absences. So when you partner with digital content, students can take ownership of their learning. Again, slowing down or speeding up. And they can determine their own pace. Oh, I need to hear that again. Or hearing it once is enough. And sometimes the the, the time, because maybe I can't do it today because I'm absent, I need to take care of a younger sibling. Or I can do it tonight after school. And the place, I could do it in the library. I could do it at home. I don't have to be in the four confined walls of the classroom. Of course, the teacher needs to maintain a minimum pace even if it's just by the end of this period or the end of the week. This ensures that they can stay on benchmarks and they're being kept. But by using the individual data points, they can help guide and coach the students that are falling behind. Pull a small group, address group misconceptions in whole group settings, even stop the digital learning Right for full days, full weeks even, so that you can address those power and essential standards and have students work in peer groups and collaborating. Again, it comes back to this this classroom where there's a balance of one-third, one-third, one-third. Digital curriculum, guided instruction, authentic assessment in the blended learning classroom. Ideally, if all of our teachers moved this way and provided these personalized experiences, we would be be an ideal situation. So, you know, one step at a time, you know, if you've got a grade level or you've got a content area, you know, kind of focusing on that. There's also this opportunity to use some adaptive software to maybe doing a, a gap fill. But again, I've seen situations where it's, it's not really supposed to be about skills and practice and that low-level understanding. It really should be about creating an environment where students can be successful. Also blending the environments. Too often I've seen, you know, software programs that are like ran for a period of the day. No student. No student wants to have a full period of every day where they're logged into a computer for skills and practice. It's got to be really a balance where the teacher can pull in some real world applications where they can do some peer community, you know, collaborative type work, you know, blend the learning and you'll get more success and students will start owning their learning.
0: It's funny, as you were talking, I was just thinking if I were sitting next to you in calculus class in school, that I would have been the one who took who would have needed to uh, rewind and re-listen and <laughs> take, take all the supports I could get. In that it would have taken me a lot longer than you to get your calculus. <laughs> um, and actually that, that's yeah, cool. the
1: cool thing is we're in a podcast. So you can rewind this.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly right on that. Cause you just gave us a lot of information and, but, but it, it kind of prompts my, my next question is, when I think about students who have significant gaps in their in their foundation of, of learning um, how do you tackle those skill deficits um, and and how could you even potentially get ahead of them
1: so this is really a great great place to start thinking about, you know, in the moment and remediation as needed. It's important to ensure that students don't continue to create these learning gaps, right? So as soon as we recognize a gap, let's say they're in my high school algebra class, right? The teacher needs to consider that in the moment remediation. Often this comes at a checkpoint such as like a test or a quiz. And again, that partnering with a digital curriculum, um, teachers can provide unit recovery. I mean, opportunities where students can relearn and retest when they fail a concept, right? That's really important. Again, I know that I've seen these labs with just kids sticking on software that's all skill and practice. No, 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 no. We In the moment is so important. So when you partner with digital curriculum, teachers can use the data also in their algebra, and we're going back to my t- uh, example here, to target students who are in need immediately if they're not progressing or they're really not understanding. I can pull a small group while the students are working, my other students are working on the text, or they may be even be working on digital exercises, but I can pull that small group and I can target those deficits in the moment. Before they get too deep, before they get to that high risk test, you know, adding in some peer to peer interactions and small groups is also effective in ensuring that students have support systems. They understand that they're not in learning alone right? You, you and I live in a business world where we're not in this alone. We're we're still held accountable to our peers, right? So help them build those 21st century skills with those four C's, right? Where they can, when they begin to struggle, they know that, look, I've got a friend, or I've got a teacher, or I've got a a video here on Khan Academy, something that helps them understand in the moment remediation and helping them take that ownership of their own learning.
0: So what about students who? Uh, you know i think about you as a as a teacher what about students who had come to you and already failed courses or um what about students who uh, in your care they they continue to fail or, or fall further behind their peers
1: so you get, you got to so <laughs> again right i told you i had a growth mindset um in the beginning. I was, let me tell you a story. I, in, my, in, my, in my early years of teaching, I hadn't even contracted yet. I was still in my student teaching. And um, I had come in doing a student teaching in uh, Fresno, California of all places. And what had happened is they had students who failed first semester algebra. Now in the box, in the black box, those kids were going to have to make that up over the summer right? But we have to think outside the box. So my master teacher came to me and she said, Kim, what I'd like you to do is I want to give you all the students who failed first semester algebra. And that's going to be your caseload, first year, pre-service teacher, right? (laughs) And, And what I'd like you to do is you're going to work through them this semester during college, and we would like to offer you a job to teach summer school to teach them the second semester so that when they finish this school year, that they have a full year of algebra. So, I mean, already there, we're thinking outside the box, right? We're already start thinking outside the box. And that's what, you know, you need to start thinking about. You know, we talk about remediation in the media. Too often I've seen programs that wait till they're juniors and seniors and try to do credit recovery, right? Recover as soon as possible. Right, and create an environment that works for them. So, you want to set up these support systems the earlier the better so that students can have the skills that they need to take ownership, right? And teachers can catch those deficits before the grading periods or remediate in the moment, right? It's too bad that we have to wait until they fail a semester grade that they can recover it. That doesn't mean that they have to wait till their senior year to recover it. Heck, you could do it the very next same semester. Yes. It goes a little bit against oftentimes that black box and the traditional calendar. And, you know, they failed first semester. We just need to push them on to second semester. I'm going to have to do some rescheduling. Yes, right? You you really should. Think outside the box. Who are we there for? Our clients are these students, right? And we want to create the environment that is the best for them. Now, I have seen many credit recovery programs that were just plain outright bad. Kids were left in isolations. Heck, I even saw one that was stuck in a closet. Outside the door, it said closet. And inside the door were three tables with students on computers. It was crazy. There were no supports. There, you know, We need to help these students tackle these online courses, right? Students lacked the ability to master content in that traditional classroom when they had a core teacher in front of them every day with peers beside them learning the exact same material. Yet, oftentimes we see yet credit recovery programs that lack core teachers that don't have any peer supports, and they're taken completely out of the picture. Like that early program that I did in my early 20s, you know, we thought outside the box. You know, I really got away from just the content and really started making it fun, making them own their own data. We need to create a successful credit recovery program that is built on strategic planning and putting in support systems that are geared towards student success. Of course, it's always important to remember that online courses in the Digital Recovery Program are always subject to NC2A non-traditional programming. So again, that's another reason to be strategic about student-teacher relationships and interactions with digital content.
0: You were, uh, you were making me laugh as you were talking through this because I think there's so many instances that I have seen where our pre-service or first-year teachers are, are thrown some of the most challenging students uh at at them and (laughs) so many of us you know that was sort of the the or sim uh sink or swim moment of the the equation and and thank goodness many of us stayed in that um when 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 you go beyond just infusing technology into the classroom but but disrupting the 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 model of a traditional classroom um your your book talked a lot about that what does that look like
1: so, again, goes back to thinking outside the box, right? How can we create a system that has a full surround and high-quality support systems, right? You don't have to go school-wide, but it could be really targeted and strategic, right? And that's kind of what the 10 models are. Some of them are targeted. They have a very limited population. But those are the kids that are at risk or at promise, right? And this may look like a small school within a school designed for a specific target group, like maybe a senior graduation academy, again. Words matter, right? Don't just call it a credit recovery program. It can be a graduation academy where students who are in need for additional supports meet a timely graduation. We have, I've seen programs where they've actually allowed the kids to come out half a day, some of them full days, where they're working with core content teachers in their original credit classes as well as their recovery classes so that they can walk with their friends at the summer graduation. Or possibly think of a a flex academy that allows students to flex time outside of daily periods and quarter grading, right? To focus on maybe one or two courses at a time so that they don't have to do all six content areas, but maybe two content areas. And don't take electives away from kids. That's why they come to school. They enjoy their electives. Don't let core be the, the thing that drives them away. If you have access to online coursework, have you thought about giving your students a choice to take an online chemistry class or biology or math or English or take it face-to-face by creating maybe like a cyber period where you using your own building and your own staff to create environments that are different than the traditional classroom? By building your own small, maybe virtual high school right there on your own campus, we've seen and small and and part-time settings for these types of programs popping up across the nation in comprehensive schools. The programming of disruptive small schools within a school or maybe a mini virtual school can provide students with new opportunities where traditional classroom settings could not. And the best of all, best, best of all, is they keep students in their neighborhood schools with their friends and peers rather than sending them away to a special school. But better yet, Imagine adopting blended learning school-wide, one that embraces a balanced approach to CIA, digital curriculum, guided instruction, authentic assessment, one-third the st- computer, one-third the teacher, and one-third the time the student leads. We're Every teacher is changing the traditional classroom with a new pedagogy, where every student has a personalized learning space and a digital platform that allows them to remediate and accelerate their own learning with a caring heart and the guidance of a teacher, surrounded by peer support and collaboration. Heck, start with a small pilot of teachers, a grade level, a subject area, and just start start small, right? Think big, start small celebrate those successes change the pedagogy in the classroom this is what drives me each and every day i'm sure you can hear the passion in my voice you know i gotta tell you jason this has been absolutely fun to be able to share my passion with everybody and i I really hope that that you know that our listeners take me up and check out my book think outside the box the cia of blended and 10 models for secondary schools or check out my blog on i3digitalpd.com
0: well Kim, I thank you so much uh, I, I your <laughs> your passion and dedication definitely comes through every time I talk to you and it, it really is such a pleasure. I think we've had so many great conversations about um, supporting students in different ways and building pathways to success for all the students that we serve i just i I love having conversations with you and I think what something that really surprised me was when you talked about um the, the natives in Alaska and and sort of their, their theory for teaching and, and learning and how those principles that they used should be applied now, um, you know, sort of start and stop when the students are ready to learn. I just thought was, that was such an interesting takeaway. I never, ever would have thought of that. So um, there's so many interesting things that, that you shared with us today, and, and I certainly appreciate it. Um, I really want to just say thank you again. Thank you for your time. And uh, and for those of you who have listened to the podcast, we really look forward to your feedback on today's show. So if you have any questions or comments, feel free to um, uh, ping us at info at com, or you can certainly write a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening today, and we hope to see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.